Again, it's Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we began the sermon series a couple weeks ago. We took a break last week because we had a guest speaker. Um, But we're talking about what it means to seek the kingdom. And so last time we kind of described the kingdom of God. And we were talking about how it is this great treasure and how it is actually Jesus' central message. We asked that question last time. What is Jesus' central message? If you had had to sum it up, like in one sentence, what would you say? You know, and maybe for some people, they've thought of Christianity or Jesus' message as kind of um, what John Orper calls the, the, like, like, I mean, he realizes this is false, but he says that in modern churches, oftentimes we think Jesus' message is about the minimal interest requirements for getting into heaven after you die. You know, like, what is the bare minimum, right? If you just kind of, like, say some kind of magic prayer, if if you just say the right words, and then, boom, you know, God has to let you in, you know, after you die. And there's one problem with that. Jesus never says that, right? He literally never says, these are the minimal interest requirements to get into the uh, kingdom of God after you die. And in fact, Jesus' central message, it is about the kingdom of God, but we mentioned this last week. People have always believed in the kingdom of God. The people of God, right, Israel, they believed in the kingdom of God. But what was radical about Jesus' message is he said, it's here, it's arrived, it's breaking in, right? Is it reached its fullness? Of course not, right? But in many ways, the kingdom of God can be experienced here and now. So the central message that Jesus is bringing, it is about the availability of the kingdom of God. You can have it, you can experience, experience it, you can walk into it. And, you know, by the way, a lot of people back in the day thought like, okay, well, you know, for us to kind of get to where God is, it's going to be a lot of hard work, right? You're going to have to, you know, pray a lot, or you're going to have to sacrifice a lot, you're going to have to follow the law perfectly. And then a lot of people ended up failing at that, right? And, and so it was kind of like this heavy burden that they were putting on people. And Jesus' message was so radical. He says, Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, blessed are the people who've been trodden on, the people who have been ignored, right? The people who have been persecuted. No one believed those people were blessed. But Jesus says, the kingdom is open to such as these. The kingdom is available. All you got to do is walk into it. I'm going to show you how. I'm going to show you what this is. Right? And last week, we talked about this idea that it is this treasure. You're going to see that 
come up in this passage as well, right? It's something that we should look at and we should want it, right? And so a lot of what we're trying to do, friends, in this sermon series is we want to show you how to seek, but you're not going to want to seek it unless you understand its value, right? I mean, there's a lot of experiences that you, you can have in this world, right? A lot of things that you can own or buy, right? But you're not going to buy them all. You're not going to want to experience them all. You're going to only experience or try to experience or try to own the things that you really want, right? When your desire is stoked, when you look at it and you're like, whoa, that's so valuable. Mm, that's so good. It's so beautiful. I want to have that, right? And the same goes with the kingdom of God. I think part of our problem is, number one, we thought the kingdom of God was only something you could experience after you die, right? And, and friends, we mentioned this last week. I mean, it's even in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Christian life is not just about getting heaven after you die, for us to go from down here to up there. It is about getting up there, down here. We want to experience God's kingdom right here, right? And it, it is this treasure that we should be, like, like it's, it's just greater than anything. When Jesus describes it, people would sell everything to be able to have it because it's that good. It's that valuable, right? And so, friends, you know, um, we, we talked about this idea, and, and this is uh, kind of the verse that this entire sermon series is based on, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But we want to show you kind of what comes before that because it's going to start giving us kingdom vision for kingdom reality. That's what we want to see. Kingdom vision for kingdom reality. We'll explain that a little bit more. But so the way that Jesus starts, um, at least into, you know, getting into this whole seek first the kingdom of God, is he starts talking about treasure. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what Jesus is doing is he's comparing treasures. We have earthly treasures that all of us, like pretty much everyone, we seek. Money, status, security, the earthly things that we can touch that you know we're going to school for and we get jobs for and we are breaking our backs to get these things, these treasures, right? And what Jesus is saying is that treasure won't last. It's an inferior treasure. There is a better treasure, a treasure that is eternal, a treasure that will not rot. It will never lose its luster, right? I mean, I've given whole messages about how money and these kinds of things that we can buy with money, they're, they're just very, you know, ephemeral. They never last, you know? Any joy or enjoyment that you get from a material thing, an external thing, it's, it's only going to last for a little bit, right? And, and, you know, after you experience it for a while, you know, you get something, you're really happy about it, you're really excited, like, oh, look at my new phone, right? When you got your new phone, you're like, oh, it's so pretty, it's so clean, you know, like, oh, look at all the, the cameras on the back. Why are there three? I don't know, but it looks so cool. And then after a couple of weeks, the new hotness comes out. Or you just get used to it. It's just your phone, right? You know, the same thing is with your car. Same thing is with your job. Same thing is with money. Any th- enjoyment you have, it's just going to become normal after a while. It's going to lose that luster, and then you're going to keep having to seek 
right? Because those things are not eternal. And there is this truth, friends, that those things are material things, but you are a spiritual being. And the thing is, material treasure and material blessings are never going to satisfy spiritual beings. The only thing that truly will are spiritual blessings. Makes sense, right? And so that's what Jesus is talking about here, right? But this idea that if your treasure is here on earth, your heart is going to be there, right? Your heart is going to want this, right? You're going to be like Wolverine staring at the the thing, and you're looking at like money, new car, oh, I want that Tesla, oh, you know, I want to get into that medical school, or I want that job, right? And you stare at it, and you want it, and you long it, long for it, and your heart is there, right? Instead of the kingdom of God and really trying to understand it. And so, friends, what we're trying to tell you is not that you have to pretend like the kingdom of God is a treasure. What we're trying to tell you is that it is. It absolutely is, but we have a problem here. The problem is that we don't see that, right? And that's what it says here. This is what Jesus says. The eye is the lamp of the body, right? It lights things up. Back then, they didn't have, you know, incandescent bulbs. They didn't have, you know, these kinds of things that we have now. They had lamps, right, to to be able to see. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. You're going to be able to see everything. Everything will be clear, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That sounds really ominous. But friends, I think what they're talking about is just darkness means you can't see, right? And so if we're talking about treasure and comparing these two treasures, if the light within you is dark, you're not going to be able to see clearly. And I think that's what's happening to almost all of us. Um, there's this uh, comedian I saw on America's Got Talent. And by background, he's an engineer. And he was talking about how, like, he thinks like an engineer, so he's always looking at how he can improve things. And so he said that, um, you know, he sees this sign, and he's like, hey, this is a pretty good sign. Um, and, uh, oh, shoot, I erased the... <laughs> the joke is not going to land then. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but this is a good sign, um, it's for an optometry center, for an eye doctor. And I just have to describe it to you guys. I'm sorry, it's not going to be as funny. But the better sign is, the, the, the sign is completely blurry, right? And so it, it, it's just like completely blurry. And so, you know, for, if you're looking for an eye doctor, you're going to be like, oh man, my eyes are bad. And you're going to get like really close and you're going to be like, oh shoot, I need to see an eye doctor. Anyways, that was the joke. But the idea, friends, is that what if, what if, right? So like the, the whole thing is like, the joke is, you know, it's trying to trick you into thinking your eyes are bad. But what if your eyes were bad? They were just bad all the time and you didn't know it. No one told you, right? And maybe everyone else's eyes are bad. And so everyone else is like, you know, looking at things and they're like, yeah, that looks like a potato. And they're like, no, that's your mom. Like, oh, it is? Like, like you just can't see, Right? You can't see. Like, it's no offense to your mom or to a potato, but you literally can't see, right? Just everything is blurry, right? And so, friends, I know you're laughing because I said potato and mom, but, you know, the idea is, is that is that the way we are, really? Where we look at things and we think that something is truly valuable when it really isn't, right? And so, he says, no one can serve two masters, for either 
he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word for money um, is memon, which in Hebrew is the word for wealth. Sometimes people talk about it almost like it's a god, and that's because for a lot of people it has become like a god. This idea that wealth will save you. Wealth will give you everything that you want, right? And it says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Friends, why did we go through this whole preamble? Right? Because we started, actually, when we read, we started with just verse 25, and most people do. They just start with, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Right? And we just start talking about anxiety. But the therefore tells you that it's connected to the previous passage, right? I've heard other other pastors say this. Whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it there for? And it's talking about this juxtaposition between not just two treasures, but two different ways of life, okay? So we have two different realities, right? Why does it then start talking about anxiety and this idea that you shouldn't be anxious about life? So, friends, I want to ask you this question. Now, I I, I want to say something that I'm going to ask you to kind of wrestle with a little bit. I've heard it said that most cultures are based on something. There's like one operating principle, one kind of like idea that dictates it more than others. There's some countries where it's religion. You see this a lot in Muslim countries, Islamic countries, right? Like religion, most important thing. Maybe for some, it's like the government, you know? Like they have like a monarchy or something, and the government like rules everything, right? And some, it's the family. Sometimes like in like Asian cultures, the family is all important, right? And then in other cultures, it's money. Let me ask you, friends, honestly, what is the most important thing? in America. And I'm going to make a statement, and I'm going to just have you wrestle with it. I don't think it's close. I think it's absolutely money. Absolutely. 100%. There's nothing that we seek more. There's nothing that we want more. And I'm just going to say worship. I mean, like, it sounds kind of funny. You're not like, oh, money, oh, almighty money. But maybe some people are like that. But think about this. What if I were to tell you or maybe someone didn't know the gospel. And you're like, yo, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you, for you, so that you can live with him here, now, and he's going to take care of you, and you get to be with him forever. What is people's response going to be in this culture, in America? Have you ever shared the gospel with someone? What was their response? They might be like, oh, thanks for sharing. right? But how about this? How about this? You have just won a million dollars. I, I, I see this sometimes on game shows, right? There's these game shows where um, there's this one that, that I watch because I just think it's fascinating. <laughs> it's called the wall. You ever see this? There's this, this ball that like bounces, and it can hit anything from $1 to a million dollars. And when it hits the million dollars, what happens? Are they like, oh, cool, like that's great. You know, that's one of many things. But, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe in eternal. No, every single person is like, ah! 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 friends, let's be honest. It's not close. It is not close, right? I mean, it could be like 
you get to visit your family. You know, no one's like, ah, ah, right? It's not close. Money, why? Why? This is the question we need to ask ourselves. Why? Why is it so great? Friends, I'm going to try to, you know, make an argument here, but you're going to have to wrestle with this yourself. You're going to really have to ask yourself, why do we trust money and love money and serve money and seek after it more than anything else? I think there's a couple reasons. One is because we want security, don't we? That's the way that it was kind of taught to me. My dad grew up in the Korean War, and when I told him that I wanted to be a pastor, my dad freaked out. He woke me up in the middle of the night, it's like one or two o'clock in the morning, and he's like, Steve, I can't sleep. He's like, I don't want you to be a pastor. And it's not, my dad has gone to church his whole life, but he's also seen pastors struggle and struggle to feed their family. And he struggled. He saw in Korea firsthand what it meant to like literally just be so poor that people were starving. And that's just a part of him. And he's like, Steve, it's not because I don't want you to be a pastor, but I want you to be able to take care of your family. Maybe you've heard your parents say that too, right? What does that mean, take care of your family? It's about security. What if something happens? What if there's a recession? What if there's a depression, right? What if COVID hits again? What if everyone starts buying up all the toilet paper and the bread in the world? What if if all the gas goes up to $10 a gallon? What are you going to do then, right? Don't we feel these things on some level? We need the security, right? And money will give you that. That's what we've been told. That's what we've all been told. And so we seek it. And and we want good jobs. And friends, I'm not telling you that those things are bad, but I just want us to think. I want us to be honest. Why? Right? And could it be that there is this base security that we think that it will give us? Okay? And there's another thing that's going to come, and we're going to see it. But friends, what I'm trying to tell you is that we assume that the world that we're living in is like the real world, right? It's exactly the way it should be. Would it surprise you to hear that some people have started arguing that this world is absolutely not real? There's like these philosophers and scientists and whatever who have been trying to make this argument that we're all living in a computer simulation. Have you guys heard this? (laughs) This is like big news in 2021 that scientists were like, You know, if you ask most experts, now it's a coin flip, 50-50, whether or not this is real or we're all in a computer simulation. It sounds so stupid, right? But this is their argument. Is that You want to know what the argument is? It's so silly. But it's basically, if you think about it, like if there's an advanced civilization that they're going to invent some kind of like simulation, they're going to have the technology to be able to create a virtual world, right? And so what are the chances of like just in the future, right? There's so many possibilities for the future that like, you know, what are the chances that the world we happen to be living in is the real one? If in, in an infinite future that, you know, you could create these uh, uh, virtual realities. So, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, maybe there's like 99 possibilities for virtual realities and there's only one real one. So what are the chances that this is real? It's stupid. <laughs> but the, the, there's this idea that like, like we've been questioning our reality. And for me, um, the movie The Matrix, well, it's one of my favorite movies. And it's one of the movies that has introduced this concept the most. Um, it's this idea that people are living in the world, but they're actually not in the real world, but it is a computer simulation. And people have to break out of it. 
And a lot of pastors, I know a lot of pastors have used this analogy, right, this metaphor, as saying, like, is this the real? Is this world actually the one we're supposed to be living in, right? And I'm not talking about, you know, that it's like a computer simulation, but the way you look at the world, right, what you think is most important, what you think is actually supporting you, right? And so, friends, what is this kind of, like, not quite right reality that all of us have been living in. You'll see this, I think. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into, into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than a bird? Are you not of more value than a bird? Than grass? Than cosmic dust? Because friends... I want to tell you the world that has been given to you, that we've all absorbed, we live in it all the time, it's this. You're a cosmic accident. There is no God. Basically, just molecules have just been bumping into each other, and every once in a while, I don't know, they just bump into each other in a certain way. I don't know, lightning zaps, you know, this, this kind of like, pool of amino acids or whatever, or, you know, just different things that can make up amino acids, and then just, boop, you get a little amino acid. Amino acids just keep bumping into each other. Lightning keeps hitting the water, and then, boop, those two things fuse together, and over millions of years, just, you get a single-cell organism, right? It's just an accident, right? And after a while, just, this process just repeats itself, right, for ad infinitum, and then, all of a sudden, there's us, there's no God. There's no God who loves you. It's just you. Everything in this world is meaningless. There's no meaning. So if a plane were to fall out of the sky right now and crush this whole church and we all died, you can't complain about that. It's just an accident. That's the worldview that we have been sold. There's a problem with that. <laughs> well, prove it. Prove it. They've tried, actually. They've tried doing all of these, these uh, experiments. And actually, the experiment that made the little amino acid, they pretty much are not able to replicate it. And they've tried like, like, all these simulations and trying to make life happen, and they've never been able to make life, not even one single-cell organism. You would think we would have everything. We've got all the compounds, right? We've got all the, the, the things, and you just put it in the stew and just keep zapping it. With, with electricity over and over and over and over and over and over again, you'd think we get just one. Not alone, not a human, right? Just one tiny single-cell organism. And it's never happened. Right? Now, friends, you might be saying, but Pastor Steve, you can't prove the other either. Maybe. But let me just tell you what the different worldviews are. One is that you are a cosmic accident, right? Everything is random, and this world... There is no meaning. So in that world, in this uncertain world, where there can be a global pandemic that breaks out at any moment, how are you going to be safe? Because as human beings, we have this thing within us 
that the most important thing we want is to be safe, right? When you fear, when there's a threat, right? When you feel anxious, something's going to take over, right? Certain things are going to come in place where you are literally going to seek that above anything else, right? Um, We call it, uh, so there's the amygdala, and it controls your fight or flight response, and we call it the amygdala hijack, right? And when you feel like you're unsafe, um, you'll do very irrational things, like buy up all the toilet paper and bread. (laughs) You saw what it looks like when a huge population of people get amygdala hijacked, right? We do really irrational things, right? Because all we're focused on is our survival. And in this world where things are very uncertain, right? And especially in this country, in this culture, that has deemed money to be the most important thing, the thing we seek for security is money. It is our God, right? It is where we get our security from. And so Jesus is posing a different world, right? And I kept saying that over and over again. Are you not of more value than they? Because, friends, this is what we do. You have been told that you are valueless, like you're worth nothing, right? And, and friends, you know, maybe some of you, you don't believe that, right? But I, I think that there are moments where we really feel that deeply, I just found this randomly on the internet. Someone just made this thing of somebody floating in an ocean. And I wonder if that's what we feel like. We're sinking. Sometimes I feel so worthless and so alone. Is that not our worldview? Right? So what do we do? We surround ourselves with people so we don't feel alone. Right? Makes sense. Right? And then what do we do? We start accruing wealth. All the things that we've been told are treasures. Right? So some of us, we even, like, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Like, it's maybe just, it's pretty. Right? But maybe, like, why do we wear jewelry? Why do we wear such fancy clothes? Are we trying to kind of, like, dress ourselves up in a way where we're like, look, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. You know, kings, like, a king didn't just walk out like everyone else, like, I'm a king. I'm better than you. What did they do? They wore a crown. They wore jewels to show I am of more value, right? Friends, there's some of us that, I I know I said that whole thing about, security and safety and having, wanting to have enough, right? And I definitely think that's true. I think that's part of the reason why a lot of us pursue money. But I think it's another reason, too, because we want to feel like we are of value. There's some of us that we could get jobs at McDonald's, right? We could get a job at Target or whatever, and we would make it. We'd be okay, right? You'd have, like, the basics of life. But for some of us, we're like, oh, no, no, that's, that's not enough, what will my parents say? What will my friends say? I got a University of Michigan degree and I work at Target? No. No, 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 no. Because what would that say about me? I don't have value, right? And a lot of us, we feel that very deeply. And so Jesus is telling us, friends, look around. Open your eyes. You have been looking at this world and your vision is bad. You think these things are treasures, but they're not. But open your eyes. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. They're taken care of. Right? The birds are taken care of. God is always taking care of them. This is the world we live in. There is a king. There is a God who rules and reigns, and he'll take care of you. 
So you don't need to worry. You don't need to store up into barns. You don't need to hustle for these things. In order to get your security, you can have it in God, right? And you can be completely just provided for, right? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life, right? So this idea of of this illusion of security and safety, we build up all these things because we think it'll make us safe. But Jesus is like, all you're worrying, all of these things, how many of you that this is actually giving you more life? Not just more years of life, because no, no, none of us know when it's our time, right? But also your quality of life, really. Because what I see, and I think what Jesus sees, is there's this, this kind of system of anxiety where we all feel unstable, right? Sometimes we wake up in the morning. I hear people say this, and I've experienced this. You wake up in the morning, and you just feel this low-level anxiety. Uh, uh, just something is wrong. You don't even know what it is. But you're not right in this world. That's fear, friends. We live in a system of fear. We live in a system where we fundamentally don't feel secure, right? It says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, Solomon, who was Solomon, friends, by the way? What do you know about Solomon? He was the wisest king of Israel. And you know uh, 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 another thing about Solomon? He was the richest king of Israel, right? He had the most of anyone. And so Jesus says, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like a lily of the field. Why? Because if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What is Jesus trying to tell you? You're valuable. He loves you, right? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What comes next? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is a different kind of reality, a reality of knowing that God is not just real, but he's in control. And not only that, he's not just powerful, friends, but he loves you. He loves you. You are of great value, right? And so, friends, this is why living in the kingdom, it just looks different. It feels different. Right? Because you know your value. So friends, I showed you this graphic before. Sometimes it feels so worthless and so alone because you're just in this world where you feel alone. You're in a world of anxiety. Everyone else, it's just the atmosphere that you've been in. Just we all live in it all the time. And so friends, I'm not trying to tell you that you're like a bad Christian or a bad person if you're afraid or if you're anxious. We all are, right? It's just part of the way that we're built. Right? And we live in a world where, <laughs> I mean, they get you to play the game by making you feel afraid, right? Amygdala hijack. And then you just go start seeking these things for security, right? And, and it's just one of the most effective ways to bring us in line. And we just live in it all the time. So do I, right? But the whole idea is we need to immerse ourselves in a different reality. This is what the kingdom is. And friends, I do mean reality. 
Sometimes when I talk about the kingdom of God, or maybe when you hear about the kingdom of God, it just sounds like a psychological trick. It just kind of sounds like I'm saying, hey, don't be anxious, right? Like you have two possibilities. You can be afraid or you can not be afraid. You know, sometimes I think that's the way like mindfulness is presented or just kind of new age things. It's like, oh, don't be so negative, right? Just think about the good things. And some of us are just kind of wondering, we're like, okay, okay. I get that. I get that I would feel more peaceful if I believed that things were good and that there was a God who cared for me. But is that actually true? And what Jesus has come to announce, the reason why we call it good news, he hasn't tried to convince you to say, hey, believe in something that's not real. That's the way faith is presented to so many of us. We believe in things that we don't actually believe. But what is Jesus saying? Come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't it exhausting, friends? Isn't it exhausting living in this world where you're just always afraid? Jesus says, come to me. I'm going to show you a different reality, right? To experience it. I'm not just going to tell you about it. You're not just going to read about it. I want to immerse you in that reality. That's the kingdom of God, right? We're supposed to soak in it, be in it all of the time. Friends, um, sometimes I think our spiritual practices, right, that we've kind of gotten this wrong. It's become like this kind of like to-do list, this things that, that, that we're supposed to do, right? You gotta pray. And we do it in the spirit of fear. I think people mean well, but pastors, parents are like, oh, you didn't pray, you didn't read the Bible, what's wrong with you? Mm. Friends, it's not about a spirit of fear. What if, what if, and I had this thought and I wrote it out just so you, you could see it and, and you could see it in detail. What if our spiritual practices were not about impressing God or earning blessings and favor, but they were about learning from Jesus how to live in this entirely differently shaped universe. One where you are ridiculous, ridiculously, extravagantly, eternally loved by an all-powerful creator God. One where this God is in control of everything and has an amazing eternal destiny for you to live into. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be the greatest thing? If you just knew it, you knew it in your pores, just the same way that you know that there's air in this room and you're just breathing it like, like you're going to live, just the way you know gravity is real. You just know it. You know you are loved. Do you think that would make a difference? Do you think that would make a difference in how we live and what we pursue and what we think is important? I think it would, right? And so, friends, just real quick, um, just questions to ask ourselves, because I do find myself, you know, th- th- we want to live in this kingdom reality. But I think for many of us, we just live in this world where we're just kind of pulled all the time. And I got to tell you, I think I get pulled out of kingdom reality all the time. This is why I pray. This is why I do my spiritual practices, so that I can remember, oh, yeah, that's right. God's in control. God loves me. I know this. It's not just up here, but I feel it in my heart. My heart beats differently. I'm less anxious. I breathe differently when I know that God is completely in control and I'm loved, right? And friends, you know, I think this is what conversion is. It's seeing this different reality. Craig Rochelle describes kind of like, you know, seeing through the lies of this world, almost like the magic eye things. Have you guys seen those magic eye things where you see like patterns and different colors and you look at it and it just looks like 
nothing. It just looks like a pattern, right? But if you kind of like fix your eyes and just kind of like look beyond the picture, something strange happens. A picture actually pops out and you'll see like an elephant, right? Or a sailboat. And you're just like, oh, it's like so surprising. And for a lot of us, it it, it just kind of happens, right? And once it happens, you might lose it. When I've done Magic Eye, it took me the longest time. Some people are like, elephant. And like, my left eye is kind of messed up. My depth perception is all off. And so it took me forever. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, I, I don't see anything. I honestly don't see anything. I'm just staring at it. And there was one time I just kept staring at it for a long time. I was like, I want to see the elephant. I want to see the elephant. I'm just staring and staring. My eyes just kind of, kind of went cross-eyed for a second. They came back and then, elephant, elephant. And now when I look at that picture, it, you know, maybe it takes me a while to see it. Um, or, or, you know, it's not right away, but it's much faster now. I can kind of snap back. And this is the way it is with the kingdom. Once you experience it, you can kind of like get outside of kingdom reality, right? But it's much easier to go back. The more you experience it, the easier it is for you to understand what it feels like. So I want to just give you really, really quick questions to kind of ask yourself and to figure out if you're living in kingdom reality. One is, are you at peace? Are, are you anxious, right? Or do you know, do you feel this kind of joy, right? You know that things are, are, are okay. Second, do you know your value and are you secure in the love of God for you? If you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling like you're worthless, if you're feeling like, like, you, know, like, like, like you don't count or you don't matter, friends, it might be a sign that we're not living fully into that kingdom reality because it's a place where we know our value. And third, are you living with a greater sense of eternal purpose? Right? People who live in the kingdom, we are very free to be able to pursue greater purpose. For a lot of us, we're not free to do that because we got to make that money. Right? we got to do these things in order to prove I'm something. We're so scared all the time. And maybe some of you have, have been wondering, what would it look like if I was completely unafraid? What would I do for God? What would I do for the kingdom? It doesn't mean that you don't make money. I'm not telling you to be poor necessarily. <laughs> But I'm telling you that if we didn't have that fear, we might live our lives differently. And there's this kind of sense of rightness when you're living for the kingdom purposes, when you are aligned for what God wants. Because we already said, this world is broken. And we are not fully living in the kingdom of God now. You can have the kingdom reality within you, but our lives are going to make the most sense when we try to bring kingdom reality to others. Right? And one of the ways is when you love other people. You love people freely. You're not scared of them because you're like, oh, we're just cosmic pieces of dust, and if this cosmic piece of dust hits me too hard, I'm going to die. Right? But you're like, I can love them. God's going to take care of me. Right? It's going to be okay. There's something so right about that when we can live that way. So friends, do you want this? Do you want this kingdom reality? We're going to talk more about how we do that practically. Right? But I want us to think more and more about what does this look like in our lives? How do we get this? And how, we can, how can we design our lives in such a way where we can live into this reality more and more? Praise team, can you guys come up? There are so many times, uh, one of the things that breaks me out of kingdom reality probably more than anything is driving. <laughs> You know, I could be perfectly at peace and 
I don't know. There's something about driving where I feel this just anxiety. I'm like, oh, there's other cars, and they're going to try to cut me off, and they're going to try to get in front of me, and I'm just I'm on edge. You know? And then I, I start feeling like the moment I get in a car, I automatically feel like I'm late. You know? And I'm just like, but what if there's a traffic jam? I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late for church. There's sometimes, man, I'm coming to church, and I was totally fine, but in that 20-minute ride, I get out of kingdom reality. And I got to tell you, friends, it, it has become the most important thing for me when I come to preach, when I come to share with you. you know, I don't want to come with this kind of like energy or this kind of like feeling of like, yeah, just this fear, this anxiety. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that we can do this perfectly. But I just know for me, my life works better when I know, I know in my mind, my heart, my soul, my nervous system, my sweat glands, <laughs> everything knows that I'm loved. And by the way, I, I showed a picture again of this person sinking in water. And, and the thing about the kingdom is as you live in kingdom reality more and more and more, right, you can't help but get wet. If you're in the water, you can't help but get wet drenched everywhere. It's just going to get in you. And this is what happens. More and more of God's righteousness and God's love and God's joy and God's peace, it just starts coming into you more and more, into your heart, into your character. It changes who you are. It's discipleship, friends. This is how we become a disciple of Jesus. This is how we become like Jesus to learn to be in kingdom reality and then to be able to live in alignment with kingdom reality. We're going to learn how to do that. But friends, could you pray with me? I just want to ask us to be honest. Have you been feeling like you're not living in this? Maybe as, as going through those questions, you're like, man, I'm not at peace. I, I, I do often feel like I'm worthless. I, I don't know what I'm doing in this world. I just feel like it's all random. I have no sense of greater purpose or alignment. And maybe you want that. Friends, I'm not going to promise you that it's going to happen right away, but I do want to tell you, and I think God promises you, that it's available to you. Are you willing to walk into it? Are you willing to learn an apprentice under Jesus? He can give you this. And let's just take a moment to just meditate on this truth. You are valuable in God's kingdom. God sent his son Jesus to die for you. I, I see Christians throughout the ages who believe this so fully that they literally were willing to walk through fire for God. <laughs> they didn't fear anything because they just knew how valuable they were. Friends, I, I want us to just kind of soak in this for a moment. I don't want this to be a really wordy intellectual prayer. Just soak in this reality. You are of great value to God because you are his child. It's just a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything special. What if we were to just soak in this reality and it gets into your soul, into your heart? You are of great value. You're more valuable than all the sparrows. 
than all the grass of the field, and God takes care of those things. He's going to take care of you. He loves you. He has an eternal destiny planned for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.